0: Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear.
1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Brands Podcast, brought to you as always by the Next Level Brands CPG community. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, or health and wellness, you should be a part of the community. Courses, resources, workshops, founder coaching, networking, and a whole lot more. More information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's, nextlevelbrands.com, what you need to know to grow. Hello, everyone. This is Steve Clear. Today, we're having a very special show. We've invited back our second brand founder to the podcast to do a catch-up and take a little deeper dive into their journey. Jim Simon is the co-founder and CEO at Jimmy Bars, one of the fastest-growing bar lines in the category. Jim's background is in tech business development, but it's obvious he has a flair for CPG as well. We're going to talk about alternate channels, new products, and a whole lot more. Welcome to round two, Jim. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. So let, let's catch up a little bit. How how has it's all? It's been basically two years. How's things been going?
0: But we feel really fortunate with COVID. COVID has not been kind to healthy. Healthy brands, As bars in particular, chips, health, healthy anything. People were grabbing for other kinds of foods during COVID. We, on the other hand, tripled in sales, top line, and were profitable. So we we've been, we're really fortunate. We did a lot of things. I think we got we're, we're lucky, but we were very scrappy and nimble during COVID.
1: And. And did you? I mean, you were pretty in terms of your channel distribution. You were pretty heavy in C store, food service, right. whatever else. What what kind of an effect did that have? From
0: C store dropped like a like a Led Zeppelin from the sky. Yeah. It, their C store business Crater, just like everybody's did. Obviously, people aren't traveling. Our food service business, which was mostly pantry services in big corporations, died as well as no one's going to going to either college campuses or corporate campuses. So we got more into grocery, which was a channel we had avoided just because of cost. Alternative online did quite well. We just had to get very, very scrappy and just go for any possible sale that's out there. Uh, We also looked at private label, did some private label, which was really terrific. And we're lucky because we're vertically integrated. We self-manufacture. So we were able to able to contain a lot of the supply chain issues that other guys are having.
1: Now, I remember, and I've, I've used your example for a whole bunch of people about alternate channels, but the alternate channels at that time meant yep. you going into C-Store in a big way and, and and then and then food service. Grocery had not been immediately on the horizon because of capital investment required. You decided to take, take a shot at uh, grocery. How'd that go? It went
0: really well. We had two big chains, very big chains come to us and they're looking for innovation. So in private label and in branded. So with a lot of grocery chains, you look at their private label, whether it's bars or anything, and it's usually a knockoff of, of the top brand, right? So right. most of the the private label bars are a knockoff of Kind Bar Cliff Bar, who are the two biggest guys out there. Yep. And that's okay. It's not very interesting. If you want a Kind Bar, just buy a Kind Bar, right? So we had two big chains come to us and say, we're looking for innovation. We want cool stuff. We want keto. We want functional. We want immune. And so that's what we did on the private label side. unbranded. we got into a couple really terrific chains. On the grocery side, we're really fortunate because we're not just, uh, we're sort of not a an also-ran brand. What we're doing is all functional, which means... We have our slogan is bars with benefits, which is a cheeky take on friends with benefits. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's that, you know, there, you get something in our bars that uh, above and beyond the fact that it tastes good. So it might be, right. you know, caffeine, it might be turmeric, it might be collagen, it might be whatever. Keto for weight management, you get a little something extra. So you're eating for purpose, which is really how people are starting to snack. So we kind of rebranded ourselves we're not a bar brand, we're a snack brand. During COVID, we launched an immune bar with 300% of your vitamin C. Obviously, a timely product to launch. Yeah. From, oh, yeah. From napkin, from napkin, back in the napkin to actually selling on our website it was seven weeks, which is crazy how fast that was.
1: Wow. That's a ramp up for sure. Yeah.
0: That, that's, yeah. Yeah. I, what's funny is that my BPS sales was with a couple of huge CPG conglomerates uh, for most of his career and he said he goes I've been in these meetings where you're pitching new products he goes this would have taken two years with a big brand he goes you did it in seven oh, weeks yeah we print our wrappers digitally we do everything fast so anyway it's been uh, it's been an interesting journey for the past two years but we are we are coming out a much better company
1: Jim talk to me a little bit about Amazon and about website sales how, how did how was that affected by COVID?"
0: Amazon and uh, Shopify, which is jimmybars.com, is up about 45% from 2020 to 2021, and from 19 to 20, it was up 35%. So we're doing really well. We're trying to crack the code on profitability on Amazon, which is the other trick all the brands are trying to figure out. I mean, the the cool thing about Amazon is you get national exposure immediately. The challenging part is you got to spend some money, right? But yeah. the good thing is you control the purse, right? So it's not like you get into a retailer and then you get slaughtered with slotting fees or chargebacks or all the other crap uh, that is tough about dealing with, with certain retailers. With Amazon, you control it yourself, but it is still a challenge.
1: Did you, in the you know, obviously when it, you knew what was going to happen with C-Stores and, and probably a pretty good idea of the, of the campus food service business, did you do some cutting back at that time?
0: We did, Steve. We we cut back more than half of our staff. I took my payroll down by 60%. We got rid of our office actually <laughs> a month before COVID started. I wanted to go virtual anyway. Right. Um, I like being virtual. And our employees are all self-driven. They they don't need babysitting. So we went virtual February of 2020. And then because of that and because we we let go of some folks – we became profitable, which is sort of a novel thing as TPG. And it's actually worked out really well. So much so that my wife who works for the company, we're very much a family company. I mean, you walk in our factory, it's uncle, aunts, nieces, nieces, boyfriends, nieces, boyfriends, best friends. Uh so, um, So the family really, we really, we were always pretty tight. We really tightened up. And like anybody during the depression you saw what america did with with building bridges and building roads and then we got into a war and and everyone joined together it's sort of what a lot of the better brands have done that COVID has been awful it has been a war and it's forced us to be tighter and better and leaner and smarter and that's
1: what we did i i i call it we can't say post i call it mid-pandemic right? Because we're, yeah. we're, we're still you know, feeling the effects of it and, and stuff. But, but folks, remember the, the quote from, from Jim that we can remember, is, is or the explanation is, you can cut your way to profitability. Probably not the best way to go about it, but you, <laughs> you, you, so can, you can do that. Over, over, the, over the time, Jim, let me ask you about as founder, co-founder, as the leader and, and head sales guy and everything else, how do you keep up the momentum?
0: But for us... Getting from one of our board members has always said this, getting from like zero to 10 million or even zero to 5 million is 10 times harder than going from 10 to 30, right? Because frankly, half the time, you don't know what you're doing. When you're going from zero to five, I was definitely, I put myself in that bucket. But for us right now, we've got some nice momentum. We're going into Sam's Club in a real way. We've got some really great private label partners we expanded um, into Australia and the EU, kind of in a small yes. way, but, but yeah. in an opportunist way. And uh, the momentum for us is keep doing what we're doing and stay lean and stay hungry and sales, sales, sales. So I'm a sales guy. Our company is very sales focused. My sister is my partner. She's very product driven. She's the one who comes up with all the, the cool new flavors, but expanding outside of bars which you'll see the big guys like Cliff and Kind and Quest. And they've done a really good job of taking bars as a platform and expanding into new areas of the grocery store or the, or the pharmacy or whatever. Right. right. For us, you know, we came up with pudding. So I said, I want to be more than just a bar company. I want to be a functional snack company. And so it's mid COVID. It's really a horrible time during COVID. It was, middle late late last year when it was really at a tight and i was my family we decided to leave chicago and quarantine with my in-laws who are based in beaver creek colorado in the mountains which is a great place to be quarantined by the way highly yeah to you're gonna do it yep <laughs> so i'm walking through costco i'm walking through the local kroger's there and i and my rule was i said to my wife she and she's in sales too with the chimney bars and i said Let's look for a, a category that hasn't seen innovation for 50 years. And I just pulled 50 years out of my, my thin air and said, okay. And so we both started at one side of the grocery store. We met in the middle. And I came up with pudding. And I'm like, I watched the pudding. I was like a four foot planogram, it was dominated by snack pack and on the shelf stable side. And yeah. I'm like, God, people love pudding, but they don't really eat it. It's more of a kids kind of thing. I, I love pudding, but everyone switched to yogurt in the seventies and eighties and nineties because it's quote unquote healthier, which it sure. is, so I'm like, why don't we come up with a pudding, but let's make it functional. Let's put turmeric in it or let's do something interesting. And then my wife said, why don't we make it keto? Because I was on the keto diet, like everyone else. I, I, I put a couple pounds on my midsection during COVID. And so I went on the keto diet and lost 16 pounds in two weeks. It's crazy. Um, and we're like, well, let's do a keto pudding that but it's going to have to be very high in fat, very low net carb. It's got to taste amazing. And the one we came up with took us about six months. We hired food, a food scientist to help us out, but it's amazing. I mean, it's thick. I'll send you samples, actually. It's really, really Would thick. love to try them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. High in good fat. So it's hot, peanut butter based, like our bars. And it's a great companion. And it's been fun. Just talking to all the entrepreneurs who might be listening, during weird times like COVID or anything else, supply chain, Think, think outside of your current category. It's a good time to innovate. It's a good time to take risks because what the hell, what do you have to lose? And so yes. for us, it's like the pudding's been a knockout and we're looking at some other categories right now as
1: well. That's absolutely great. Yeah, and, and, and Jim, I don't know if you, Keith Belling from Right Rice and Pop Chips, but huh. Keith Belling did the same thing you were doing. So he went into the grocery store, he was walking, he, was getting, he was actually on a shopping trip, but he said, I wanna do something, I wanna do something different, something different, different. He's walking up and down the aisle and he gets to the prepared rice section. And he's staring at rice roni and private label, right? Yeah. And he's going, Wow, there is nothing new here in 50 years. Let's <laughs> right. Let's
0: it, let's true. do something. Rice is that's a that's a that's a great example. Actually, I heard the guy, the founder of Method. Method and then Oh goes, yeah, yeah. Method. Yep. And he, he said the same thing, like band-aids is his new thing. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess the band aid dominates. You got one player dominating. Uh, why not try something new?
1: Totally. You figure it out. R- rolling it back, Jim, you, you came from tech world and, but in, in business development. So those, those skills are transferable, but what do you wish you'd known before you started this journey?
0: Well, it's kind of like, I'll, I'll go back to what we said in two years ago, three years ago, when we spoke the last time, and that is uh, CPG. If you're growing a brand, it is a, it's a money pick. You got to have money and you got to raise enough money. I didn't, I used all my own cash. I, 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 I I don't recommend that. Don't do this at home kids. (laughs) It it causes problems. So you got to raise money and there's plenty of money out there. I mean, I get bombarded with, 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 uh, people who want to invest. I mean, now that we're a real brand, I tapped to my friends who are amazing. And and again, I started the company in my late forties. So I had a little gray hair, um, and it was the sixth company I've started to run. So uh, I had you know access to folks who were a little bit farther down the line. If I would have started at 25, I, I, I wouldn't have had access to capital. But you got to pay yourself. You got to be properly funded. But I've always been a fan of lean startups. There's a book about lean startups. Yeah, uh, it's called The Lean Startup. The Lean Startup. Yeah, it's good too. And, and yep. that is, you got to be really careful. of Don't go t- too big, too fast be careful when you bring in quote-unquote consultants or other investors who want you to grow too fast and blow through too much cash um, because you might be with the one holding the bag at the end and you're out of cash i've been there it's not fun um but yeah. you've got to raise enough money to grow a cpg brand you can have the greatest brand on planet earth and if you don't have access to money to market yourself and to get the word out you're not going anywhere if you look at the biggest brands whether it be bars and chips or soda or whatever, it's often not the best tasting brands, but it's the best marketers and the ones who have access to capital. So can't emphasize right. enough to anyone listening, you gotta raise some money. Don't don't do this. There's certain businesses like service businesses, you can do, do on a shoestring.
1: CPG is not that. Right. Doesn't that doesn't fall into that that category. It's it's amazing because with the with the big guys. Having worked, you know in Nabisco and Conagra and a bunch of other folks, is one of the one of the things people really don't understand is how much of their budgets are marketing budgets versus R and D versus whatever. It's the the largest line item after probably after labor is in promotions and and, and trade spending. <laughs> That's let's you know, and you say, "Well, wait a minute. This is only a dollar, you know, or two dollar eighty nine cent item. What are we doing here?" So, well, yeah, we're spending in 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 more mature categories. Depending on the category, it may be ten percent, but if you're in salty snacks, it's twenty five to thirty percent. And
0: you have to get it in their mouths.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a huge amount of, of the budget. And and of course, the other the other great thing was the uh, objective of, I want to make what goes into the package less expensive than the package itself. That's a goal. Yes. So, right? <laughs> <I don't wanna laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> the box is going to be more expensive than what's ever in it. I've, I've done it. I've created a true CPG brand now.
0: Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I mean, but it's like marketing, and it's something I don't feel like I've done a, a a great job at, to be honest with you. But the marketing side of it, and promoting, and getting samples in people's mouths, which costs money, but you have to do it. Building brand loyalty is difficult, and it's a nonstop job. And I would say I'm definitely not an expert there. But it's not just CPG. If you look at any business, I mean, look at look at uh, Tesla valued it more yeah. than General Motors and Ford and so on. He's a great marketer and he's out in public and he's, <laughs> oh, yeah. sure. I mean, he's just, he's, he's just good at what he does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, that marketing, that classic marketing is, is really, really helps to build, build a brand and take an audience and turn it into a bunch of loyal, loyal followers. So speaking of which, what have you guys done and what do you have, have you been doing with Things like social media, brand ambassadors, influencers. How do you handle that?
0: So it's it's interesting. Influencers and ambassadors, I always use them as the same. We t- uh, tend to use micro-influencers. We've got okay. about four, 400 of them right now. And I'm kind of trying to figure out what I want to do with them. They're almost becoming, like my previous lab in technology, I was working for ad networks. And ad networks are where Ford or GM hands an ad agency 200 million bucks a month, uh, yes. just, and they want it all over the place. And you try to micro-target towards people who are looking to buy a Ford, right? That's yep. kind of what influencers are becoming, where you're trying to pick the people who are big in keto or big in fitness or functional foods or whatever. That's how we try to pick people. We're not picking people who are big on smoking Marlboro menthols. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Nothing against that. It's just not our, uh, that's not our consumer. We're trying to get people who are who are healthy as a lifestyle and there's some really great ones. So it's 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 almost a full-time job of finding those people, but we've been tapping them a lot, getting them to promote Jimmy Bars without paying them. And we've just found some really cool people that, I mean, think about it, it from your point of view. If you, whatever you love doing, like yeah, let's just say you you're a jogger or you're, you love wearing Hanes underwear or you love a certain t-shirt company. Oh yeah. If they, if they said we were going to send you free stuff once a month and will you promote it? You'd say, hell yeah. Wouldn't <laughs> Easy. <laughs> not, yeah. not a problem. <laughs> yeah, so that's our value prop. Do you like the pudding? Yeah. I think it's awesome. Great. Do you want to promote it? If I give you free stuff? Sure. Yeah, sure. I, I, I have one woman who's a, I forget what her handle is. It's like keto mom or something. She's great. And she is actually sending recipes for the pudding. Like she used our keto pudding wow. for, for Thanksgiving. She made like chocolate pie. Uh, French
1: oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what there's, um, yeah. I, I, working with a couple of different companies where all of a sudden you get this we user-generated content, right? You get somebody who isn't even a paid influencer or, or a free influencer who all sends in this recipe and you go, this stuff's incredible. How come we I didn't know, look at this? I know. It's, to- it's
0: amazing. It's a, there's some really cool stuff. And then it, it also harkens back to the History Channel has these great series, The Cars That Changed America, The Cars That Changed the World. Uh, The inventions that changed. I love it. Now they're doing the toys that changed America. And I'm watching this uh, two nights ago about the Slinky. Because there's always whatever you're, you're you're always listening to what other people did. Slinky was in trouble. The founder left his wife and moved to South America out of the blue. So the wife had to run the company and she could have packed it in, but instead she doubled down on marketing. And she hired a company to come up with that that jingle. Everyone knows it's Slinky. Slinky, yeah. That we still remember fifty years ago. And the company exploded, and obviously she made a fortune. So I can't emphasize enough marketing, 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 marketing,
1: marketing. Good. That's what we want to hear. That's very that's important for for us marketing types. We sometimes, although in that discussion, Jim, with 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 emerging smaller brands, so smaller than than you guys for sure. But I mean, like your first year out is. I always go, hey, if you've way, you know, I, I can't really afford to get a sales person on or, or a marketing team or whatever. And I say, get the salesperson. We, we can, the, the salesperson to me or the sales function at the right at the beginning is more important. We'll bring the marketing in like year in or whatever, or when you get your first whatever's, but... It's also good, on the other hand, if you can have marketing in mind before you even start with the product and the packaging and whatever, and then give it to a salesperson who's going to go out and move boxes because that's what you train them to do, right? You, 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 right. you They, they got to do that. Look at Looking back, what was, I mean, COVID obviously, but beyond COVID, what was kind of the biggest challenge that you had to go through and how'd you overcome it if you did?
0: You can't see buyers anymore face-to-face. So yeah, yeah. everything sort of changed where I was on the road, probably, I don't know, 60, 70% of, of the year, staying in courtyard <laughs> or whatever I, I could yep. afford. And, and nothing, even though the bars is much bigger, I'd still stay in, in cheaper hotels and fly the cheapest flights. That we don't have to do anymore because everything is meeting over Zoom. I personally love it. I have talked to some folks that say I miss shaking hands and sitting in a room and really collaborating. However, in CPG, for what we're doing, these buyers are busy, right? So when they're doing a planogram for, let's just say pudding or functional snacks, whatever it is, they're seeing a lot of people. And it's like you and I were talking before the podcast, you got to print a badge, you got to fly
1: out to their head. Right, you got to go through the security guard and the metal detector. <laughs> yeah.
0: it's, a, you know, it's kind of not the most efficient way to meet people. And the buyers I've talked to really like the fact that in 10 minutes, you can get down to the point really quickly. They're focused, we're focused. You can develop a very nice relationship over Zoom. You next day are the samples, they get the samples, they try them, they like them or they don't. So you can get kind of cut down to brass tacks very quickly. I love it. It's been really good for us. It's allowed... Our sales team to really target and focus and, and and close some monster deals. I mean, we've we've closed some very big deals over a 10-minute Zoom. So I love it. I mean, I, I I hate to say that this horrible thing that's happened to the world has been favorable to certain companies, but it it has been favorable to certain companies. On the other side of the coin, obviously, there are a lot of companies that didn't make it through this, which is horrible. A lot of the restaurants, especially. Yeah. Our our
1: restaurant folk. Yeah. Just I feel awful understand. for them. And
0: I came from a restaurant family. My sister, who's my partner, owned a restaurant for 25 years. So I feel horrible <laughs> for them. But there are if you're lucky, you're in the right place at the right time. I just feel like we we've been really lucky that you can make it through something like this if you innovate, you save your your pennies, you don't spend you know as much on on, on things that you normally would. And that's how we got through it.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, our travel allotment, T&E, has certainly gone gone mm-hmm. down like crazy and, and efficient. Like but yeah, but it is, it, it is a different, there's also a, a focus that comes with that, which is, I remember one of the early times, everybody shut down Costco, Walmart, where we had a big Walmart meeting schedule, which was supposed to be in Bentonville, and then pff, nothing, not going to happen. By the uh, way, the most expensive flight in America to Bentonville. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the place in Oklahoma? You go to Oklahoma and you drive. Tell and us. Tell okay. Us. Right. Right. And then, and then, yeah, yeah that's the way I used to, because yeah, it, it, to get there, but in this one, it was virtual product was there, talk to the buyer and literally within we were out within 15 minutes and he'd said, yes. And it's like, okay, cool. Done. You know, get the champagne we'll go forward. Um, right. Let me ask you Jim right off the top of your head. All right. Category pudding you mentioned planogram for pudding. I'll bet the planogram for pudding section hasn't changed in 20 years.
0: Uh, well, not only that, but uh, who, are, who buys, who buys pudding? What category? A lot of moms
1: buy pudding. We,
0: we have pitched, we're, we're very close with one of the big grocery chains uh, doing pudding. There's an ingredient in pudding that COVID has killed. And I forget what it's called. It's not uh, oh, a supply chain problem. Yeah, supply chain problem. Where <laughs> there's only two big pudding guys out there. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, where they've had a hard time getting their hands on. So we've kind of swooped in. Now the difference is ours is keto pudding, and it's about five times more expensive than sugary water gelatin. Well, of course. Yeah. So we know we we're figuring out where do we fit. Are we a diet and nutrition kind of brand for the pudding, or do we go in the pudding session? And it's funny, we got a actually a call this morning from. One of the larger chains, and they're like, "I don't care. I need pudding." <laughs> so I'm like, "Well, I got pudding." So you know, <laughs> it's worked out really well because we're peanut butter based, which is—I mean, you worked at kind of agree with the costs are on pudding, it's, right? Yeah, you know, it's 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 a really profitable uh, product. Putting uh, peanut butter is not cheap, but that's what we use for because it it's got to be high in good fats. But <laughs> the chains are looking for this is something different, something innovative, and our pudding is killing it.
1: Right. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. The, the, the thing that it, it seems interesting about, about supply chain stuff has been where you have, depending upon if you have clean label and you don't have a lot of, a lot of ingredients, but you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that has maybe 20 ingredients. Right. Yeah. And the supply chain is all of a sudden it's one of them. And I forget what it was, but I had somebody that, that was on the show or whatever. And I think it was like a, a lemon, a grated dried lemon. And he couldn't get it. Yeah. Well, guess what? It's 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 number six or seven on the ingredient list, but I can't make it without it, <laughs> right? So and it's and such, uh, a,
0: such a bummer. We we had the same thing. Let's go back a year when when COVID was just a disaster. We couldn't get sugar-free chocolate chips. I was driving. I was in uh, Colorado at the time. My wife and I were driving like all over the place trying to find sugar-free chocolate chips. That are compliant with the chocolate chips we use now. One of the biggest chocolate suppliers out there, which is actually based in Chicago, they couldn't they didn't have any. Our company we always try to source in our backyard in the Midwest. Right. We had a big chocolate supplier in in Wisconsin. They didn't have any. We had to my sister, and my brother-in-law had to load up a 26 foot Ryder truck and drive to Minnesota, which is not as close as you think. It was like eight hours. Oh no, no, no. And pick up 26 pallets of chocolate, oh sugar-free God. chocolate chips. Then we couldn't get whey protein. It was just, it was crazy. But the advantage of being a family company, the advantage of being smaller and vertically integrated. So self-manufacturing was massive because if, if we were working through co-packers, third party, I don't know if we would have made it, honestly, because yeah, not a massive bar company. And so co-packers will pick and say, well, I can run
1: Jimmy well, Bar, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, a- or I can run Cliff. Oh, guess what? You guess lose. What? Yeah,
0: yeah, guess who they're going to pick. So, yeah. and also finding employees. I'm sure you're hearing a lot of that. Just finding oh, my God. hourly wage people to work. That's another huge advantage we've had Because it's family. And that is, Hey, guess what? If my niece doesn't show up to work, she's going to get an earful from her uncle, probably more than an earful from her mom, my sister, like you got to show up. And so it's been a really interesting exercise. I just can't emphasize it enough. It's just been a really interesting exercise of tough times, you got to get tough. And whether it's supply chain, we had our sales reps looking for sugar-free chocolate chips at one point. I I called an emergency meeting and said, Hey guys, we can't run. And we said, so everyone is looking for chocolate chips today. Google bulk chocolate chips, sugar-free and find some stuff. And so that's what we did.
1: Oh, I I know some folks that went to Costco and bought bought a lot of stuff from like half a dozen Costco's uh, around LA to get the ingredient because they couldn't get it any other, and they were going to lose money on everything they were producing, but they had to fulfill the orders. So, you know, you got
0: to fulfill the orders and that's just being a smart entrepreneur. I mean, the the Costco or wherever you got to go, you got to get it. And then, and then lastly, you've got the money issue because what was happening with a lot of ingredient suppliers, they said, Oh, we want our money up front. And then we'd come back and say, we've been net 30 with you for five years. I don't care. We want our money up front. So there's some gouging. There's some kind of crappy stuff that was going on. But, you know, you figure it out. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a quick anecdote that's sort of funny. Yeah. I was, we were pulling out of Beaver Creek where we were staying for the past year and, and we're driving a, a U-Haul down to um, Scottsdale, which is where I'm based for the next, whatever, six months. And I'm trying to pull this, it's the U-Haul where you connect it to your car. So it's <laughs> not, the things were made in the fifties and I, it's, I'm i not that smart. I couldn't quite figure out how to get it out of the out of the the garage.
1: Did they have a safety change
0: him? You had to... <laughs> and you pull left, but it goes right. You pull right, it goes left. I still don't quite understand it, but it took me two hours, plus I was in the middle of a blizzard and I've got my mother-in-law and father-in-law watching. They're giving advice. My wife is giving advice slash yelling at me. I've got my Weimaraner who keeps running in front of my truck. It was just like kind of a disaster, but I got it out eventually. It took two and a half hours. And my my mother in law said, "Wow, that was really stressful." I said, "Pam, that's being an entrepreneur every day. Every day, that's what you deal with. Problems. You have a problem to solve it. You move on."
1: Yeah, yep, for sure, Jimmy. You mentioned it a couple of times. Let's just hit on it for a minute. You're vertically integrated. Can you talk a little bit about was that planned? Was that how how did you come to that and And when we talk about capital investment, that's usually a big capital investment.
0: Yeah. So, we, our first four years of business, we use co-packers and we went through five co-packers in four years. So, we had some divorces down the road. Mostly we just weren't pleased with the product, or we'd order 50,000 bars and we'd get 27,000. Or in one case, they changed the ingredients on us. Sure. You know, it's just normal. Stuff a bit painful, and we realized if we don't con- control our supply chain and if we don't control our manufacturing, we don't really have a whole lot, and we're just going to keep getting slapped around. and And in CBG, you get slapped around a lot as a brand. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of getting slapped around. So it was my sister, my brother in law, who were restaurant tours and classically trained chefs. From day one, they've been saying we want to self manufacture. It was me. And wrongly so. It was me saying, nah, let's use co-packers. We're a sales organization. We're not manufacturers. As I started learning more and more about CPG, I realized, wow, it's a huge advantage to self-manufacture. A, we work, I mean, we work almost every Saturday, not much Sundays, two shifts Monday through Friday, and maybe one shift on Saturday. But no, no co packers is going to work on Saturday for you. It's right. Not- no. Yeah. And, and no one, like our, our buying team on peanuts and cashews and sugar-free chocolate chips and all that stuff, no one's going to be running to Costco to pick stuff up. No one's going to do that. You got to do it yourself. So we control a big part of that now ourselves since we self-manufacture. It's just, it's been a godsend. I mean, it's incredible. Um, the efficiencies of running your own shop and we did it. We created a second company. So it's, it's its own company called Nettie's right. Kitchen and they manufacture bars for other people too. And they do a, a fantastic job. So they're kind of the good guy co-packers or my sister says the good gal co-packers. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it's been a, it's been a, a huge win. It's been a tremendous success and it's fun watching them kind of continue to innovate. And also a, a huge advantage is I, I've got two chefs on staff that I'll say, Hey, this, uh, this pudding, can we make it taste better? Uh, And they'll say, what do you want it to taste like? I said, I want it thicker. Okay, now just do it. So it's just, it's a giant advantage. And they move so fast. Like we came up with an idea yesterday, keto. I love pumpkin and pumpkin's always been sort of a hot flavor. It's very healthy, keto pumpkin, white chocolate. And I just came up with it when I was driving to pick up my 12 year old from school. And I called my sister. I said, "How about a keto pumpkin white chocolate?" She said, "I'll have samples for you tomorrow." I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous, right?
1: Yeah, and and pumpkins got good stuff in it too. So you're on the healthy side. It, yeah, it really good.
0: It's, it's keto friendly and it's good for you. And and most importantly, it's
1: plentiful. You can. <laughs> <Right. keto laughs> There's it. lots of them out there. Yeah, <laughs> love it. It's not. Yeah, no, it, it that's fun. And and it, but it it's it's more than just that having an idea, it's the being able to turn it around. And again, going back to your friend's statement in Nabisco, that idea would take two years and and, and nobody in brand management would want to do it because they wouldn't want the risk.
0: Well, and they're not allowed to, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, um, they're just big corporations have big problems too, but, but they're, they sort of, they have a very specific job and they conquer their very specific tasks and they And they move on for us we're trying to conquer 87 problems a day and one of which which is not a problem but an opportunity is innovation so when you look at some of the stuff we've done in the past couple years with pudding or immune bars or functional snacks or whatever it's all from saying either an email or a comment i get from a customer saying hey why don't you do this why don't you do that or just the brainchild of our small team of saying let's innovate the pudding space. Let's innovate just let's like friendly with, with rice. Man. You come up with an idea and you just do it without a whole lot of chitter chatter.
1: <laughs> going going back, Jim, on, on the journey. Um, is there one thing that you would would have changed? I would have raised more capital. <laughs> my, my answer is, <laughs> we're right back there again. Okay, yep, for well, my sure. Answer is,
0: my answer is still the same because we're in a we're in a much better place now, money-wise, but you do consumer packaged goods, any consumer product. I mean, again, the Slinky I- I example, she spent all their money on this jingle and it worked out really well for them. Barbie's another example. I'm in the toys thing because I'm watching the, the History Channel. They spent a fortune on Barbies and people didn't get it right away until they got it. In, in, in CPG, any consumer product, you're going to have to spend some money. So you better go raise some money. There's plenty of dough out there for anybody, even if you're a first-time entrepreneur and more of the the, the chef or the craftsman than the salesperson, yeah, good ideas will find money. So I w- I'm going to stay with that and then <laughs> uh, made plenty of mistakes along the way. But I think that was probably my biggest boo-boo is not
1: not going on and raising enough capital. And and that was going back, folks, Jim and I were talking just before the recording uh, a little bit about... so the segment, our segment words to grow by, which, which we do toward the end of every show. I reminded Jim that his was raise capital and that was, and we've used it. And I think we've, we do it now as a separate blog out there and, and, and not too long ago, I actually put it out there because it, it's still very important. It is, would you still typify that as, as words to grow by, or, or do, do you have another one that you want to add to it? Cause you, you get two now. Oh, okay. wow.
0: Two for one. It's like, it's like a BOGO. Uh, I would say this, the most important thing in in this, actually the most important thing in any business is sales. And that is for any entrepreneur, I was watching Shark Tank, Uh, it's an amazing show. And Mark Cuban did not invest in this woman's company because she said, I just, I just don't like sales. (laughs) This is not not the thing to say on Shark Tank. Sales, sales, always be hunting, 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 hunting. Constantly prospect, use LinkedIn. I've had many, many of picker session with my wife, who's a sales rep with the company about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the Bible. It's amazing. Oh, it's uh, awesome. Absolutely awesome. And, yeah. and, and unlike money, like if you're looking trying to hunt down money and you have a good product, money will find you. That's not really the case with a good product. You can have the greatest product in the world, but you can't. It's not going anywhere unless you go out and you reach out and you sell, and you be crafty and cagey and clever and smart about the way you get the product out there. If you have a buyer that's not interested, find it. there's eight thousand other buyers out there with eight thousand other chains. Find a home for it somewhere. Sell it to colleges. Sell it to corporate cafeterias. Sell it to whatever. Go to Costco. Go big. Um, that's probably another thing is that I probably would have gone big earlier and hit up the Costco's and the Sam's and the Walmarts, the giants of retail, the best of the best, I would have hit them up earlier.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't be, don't be afraid of it. It's, you don't want to overextend, but you do want to, you might as well learn the ropes about what they're doing early on. Cause that's your goal eventually anyway. And they're just as open, actually, in, in most okay. cases people say, oh, well, they're not interested in it. That's not true at all. They're the very
0: innovative. Uh, Walmart, Sam's, Aldi, Aldi's terrific. Albertsons is innovative. There are a lot of TJ Maxx is really innovative. There's a <laughs> lot of innovative retailers
1: out there yeah. who will talk to you. Are you selling through TJ Maxx? We do. We do. Okay. I like them. <laughs> That's, I, I haven't seen it there, but yeah, I, I, yeah, one of the folks I work with is uh, finger licking Dutch Dope Waffles, and and they're in TJ Maxx. It's like when he talked to me about the strategy, I went. Seriously? TJ Maxx? Okay. Yeah. Because it's a lot of gifty stuff, right? They're gift boxes and whatever else that they're doing too. So they're not just selling clothes, right? That's and not you find out.
0: cool stuff there too. Like I, I like going to TJ Maxx. I go with my wife, obviously to check out Jimmy Bars, but they don't planogram. So you get POs and you get POs. And uh, yeah. uh, they've got great, I always buy snacks there. As a matter of fact, I think I have seen that that waffle brand. I always buy stuff there because it's a lot of the newer brands That are just trying it out, trying out retail, and and you get great products.
1: And for them, it's a a as a retailer, providing a little bit of a treasure hunt. So,
0: yeah. The the comedian uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, yeah, he did he did a little blurb about TJ Maxx. He's like, I love this place.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing to, yeah, it's a fun thing to go and do a little extra exploration. And particularly if you're not, you're not worried about, not necessarily worried about restocking, but more importantly is you don't have to fit a shelf set. I don't have an empty space. I don't need a sugar-free in here and the low-fat one in here. It's, it's a lot different.
0: Well, lot you, different. Get, you get, it's sort of the fun of selling on Amazon or selling on your own website. Like we've got a Shopify website. And you get to hear what people are saying, which is which is nice. So one of the fun what we did with the pudding, because you never know if you've got a winner or a dog when you when you launch a new product. You can like it, but it doesn't mean you could love mushrooms. I hate mushrooms. <laughs> and if I love pudding, you might hate pudding. you know what I mean? You, you never yeah. know. But what we did is we did a survey monkey for all the people who bought the pudding. And it was really in, it was so interesting the commentary we got back directly from the consumers that we actually changed the flavor or we changed the name of the flavor of the pudding. So everyone kept saying, cause the flavor was chocolate fudge. And people were saying, wow, I taste a lot of peanut butter in here. It's not bad. I like it. I just didn't know it. You know what I mean? I'm okay, like, okay. Yeah. And then they said this fudge, it is so thick. It's almost like icing because it's got all that peanut butter. They said, I just didn't, I didn't know that was coming. I like it a lot. I just didn't know it was coming. So we, stopped. And we're like, okay, we're going to change the name to fudge peanut butter pudding. And I'm going to put super thick is a little asterisk there just to make it sort of fun. Uh, We also kept hearing this tastes like brownie batter. And so I'm like, why don't we call it uh, (laughs) brownie batter peanut butter? (laughs) It's almost like two all beef patties. It's a a tongue twister and it makes no sense, but it's sort of funny, but I got voted down on that one. So we changed to fudge peanut butter because now people know what to expect.
1: That's really awesome. Well, yeah. Jim, Hey, it, it, amazing. It's been an amazing journey and I'm really glad you came back to do round two with us. We'll, we'll, we're going to plan round three in the future because this isn't going to stop. I can tell, right. Yes. There's more stuff coming down the line, but appreciate so much taking the time with us today to, to share some of your stuff. And I'm, I can't wait to try the pudding. <laughs> oh yeah. E- email me and I'm going to send it to you right now. I, I you have no problem. So Jim, thanks so much again. And, and by the way, Thanks everybody else out there for joining us at another Next Level Brands podcast. Podcast is sponsored by Next Level Brands community. More information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's, folks. Our producer is Deborah Armstrong. Our production assistant is Consolata Wakuka. We're always grateful for feedback and comments. If you have an idea for a show or a guest or a particular topic, feel free to reach out and let us know. If you enjoy the show, please follow us take a minute to subscribe, and most important, refers to your friends. After all, the more, the merrier. I'm Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear.
1: Learn more at nextwith 2 xlevelbrandscom While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.